Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly Drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. Yeah, basically we're just regular dudes drinking, well, regular beers. And we're going to be talking about some magic story today. Yep, that's right. We're doing a Drunken Vorthos. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> these are always so fun. Yeah, these are uh, fan favorites, so we try to... Bring them up as much as we can, and of course, because it's a Drunken Vorthos, it is also a Silver Series. Silver Series, baby. Yeah, do you want to explain what a Silver Series is? Yeah, sure. So uh, every week when we drink our beers on the show, we have a rating system, and that rating system reflects the tiers in Arena, so Bronze, Silver, Gold, Platinum, Diamond, Mythic. And Silver is the tier where you might find any of your macro brews, so... You know, stuff that's not particularly interesting. It's not necessarily bad. It's just, you know, pedestrian, let's say. Yeah. And so on the Silver Series, that's when we drink all of our macro brews because we want to, you know, we want to prove that, that we like them too. We just have a tier for them. That doesn't mean we don't like them. Exactly. And we're trying to figure out what the best one is or the best one for camping, essentially. Yeah, think of like a March Madness bracket we've got going on here. You know? Exactly. It's kind of the idea of the best beer to drink all day. And uh, still be uh, standing. Uh, eh, still standing? Well. I don't know. <laughs> um, so we're going to go through the episode and explain each beer as it comes up. But the first one we're going to be drinking tonight is Cronenberg 1664. So uh, nice. this, this is a beer I actually don't know if I've ever had before. Um, I thought I did. And then I bought it and I was like, wait, there's a difference between the 1664 Blanc and the regular one. And I, I think I've only had the Blanc before. Yeah, yeah, you were mentioning that before the show, and I was, it made me think, yeah, actually, maybe I've never had the regular Cronenberg either. Yeah, so this is a lager. Uh, it's a pale lager from France. Uh, it's originally from uh, Cannon Brewery in Alsace, but uh, now it's owned by Carlsberg Brewery Group. Um, so it's, you know, got a bigger... Uh, Parent company above it, it is 5%, and of course its founding year is 1664, which would make sense, because... That makes sense. That's the name <laughs> of the beer. <laughs> Not the oldest beer we've had in a Silver Series, but, you know, it's still pretty old. Pretty old, and uh, as memory serves, I'm pretty sure older beer usually means better beer. Tends to be... It's been working out mm -hmm. that way so far, you know. Stella dominated its bracket. It sure did, so we'll have to see... Um, what this one has in store for us uh, and how it kind of measures up against the others. But, mm -hmm. magic news. Wow, Jeff, the arena open is this weekend. Finally. It's draft. Finally. Innistrad ch Championships is this weekend. Yeah, I don't know why they have to put everything on the same weekend. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things. Um, There's nothing last weekend. There's going to be nothing the weekend after this one. But this one is when everything has to happen. <laughs> but anyway, as always with the Arena Open, we know it's draft. We know you're very excited. But our number one golden rule is just decide how many times you're going to play in it. Because, hey, it's a slippery slope. You might spend way too much money and all the money that you need for holiday gifts, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. So make sure you go in saying, okay, I'm willing to spend two entry fees on this. And if you scrub out twice in a row, just have the uh, <laughs> have the strength to stop. Yeah, just stop. Because it's super easy to just 
get pissed off and jump right back in. But I'll tell you what, you're not going to be drafting or playing your best in that state. So That's very true. Just stop everything you're doing and watch the Innistrad, Innistrad Championship to see what they're doing over there in that split format of Standard and Historic. Because uh, I have no idea what's happening in Historic. Yeah, really interested to see what, what historic decks people are playing. Because, again, yeah, like you, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, so um, we will talk all about that next week. But this week, it's story time. We're just getting some beers, drink, uh, drinking. Well, yeah, as always. But talking about um, the five-episode story arc that was Crimson Vow. So, Jeff, do we just kick things off right here? Is that, uh, is that what we're doing? Yeah, um, let's let's get into this because it was uh, it was an interesting story. It was um, where we left off was basically um, Olivia had just taken the key from Catilda and killed her in the process and talked about her wedding. So now, um, well, apparently, but before the story actually begins, um, no one heard her say that because they don't know what's going on. Uh, so that's, we, oh yeah, I thought that was weird. I remember thinking that too. Like she told you she was having a wedding guys. <laughs> yeah. So, um, basically the story starts with this one, uh, character that we've never met before and his name is Grigori and he's a human in the village of Stensia, which is basically where all the vampires, uh, rule. And, um, mm -hmm. he is, uh, collecting blood from his mother who's like passed out <laughs> yeah so he, basically and um yeah so they have a blood type in effect right like they have to pay blood to the vampires but his mom has some sort of condition and so he just like jabs her arm and takes her blood so that he doesn't have to give any <laughs> yeah I, well i think what happened was that in the massacre of the harvest tide she got hurt somehow and then she hasn't really woken up since and Olivia has decreed that every household must give a bowl of blood per day per person uh, for her wedding, mm -hmm. um, which is really scary. But also at the same time, hey, if if I ruled over a place that I was like, hey, um, everyone owes me a six pack of beer for every person in their household every day until my wedding, I'd be like, absolutely. Every day, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes, I'm Definitely going to do that. <laughs> because I want everyone to fund the booze at my wedding. Um, which is one thing, this is the beginning of what exactly does blood do for these vampires? Because um, we know right. a bunch of things, but uh, throughout the story, it seems to waver between um, all of its properties. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, it seems to be whatever is most convenient at the time yeah. is how the blood affects, <laughs> affects them. <laughs> um, which could be how that works. I don't really know. Uh, I guess that's how it works on Innistrad. But, um, but anyway, Jeff, we uh, we meet the Gatewatch, or we go back and hang out with the Gatewatch again. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't even know who's actually in the Gatewatch anymore, but uh, I guess, yeah, Teferi, Kyan, oh, and sorry. Chandra are all yeah, Gatewatch I, members. Yeah. I am calling the group of, the band of random folks the Gatewatch <laughs> Because it just seems a little bit easier yeah, yeah. than just the gang. I guess right. it, it could be just the gang. <laughs> the Gatewatch gang. Yeah, our motley crew of heroes here. Yeah, and we are uh, dealt just a heavy hand of Adeline and Chandra flirting, just right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like, and, and that doesn't stop, by the way. That's, no. That goes through for all of them. The all of the stories in which they appear. Every uh, scene that they are in, there is a moment between them. Uh, so things are getting, exactly, we yeah. had a little bit of it in the Midnight Hunt stuff, uh, but this one is 
just like really heavy handed. And this specific one is talking about uh, how they want to get some wine later. So, you know, <laughs> you just know right off the bat, something's going to, something's going to happen. So, uh, excited for that. And then, uh, what's their plan? Like, what are they going to do now? Like, they're like, Oh, how do we, how do we figure out what's going on? Who would know that? Yeah. So they decide maybe the oldest vampire on the plane, let's just go talk to him. Well, the oldest vampire that they can, they know of, I yeah, guess, I guess. They, they don't know that Edgar is, uh, <laughs> is available. <laughs> And so they decide to go meet Soren, which I thought was like a ridiculous plan given how poorly it went last time they did this, yeah. which ostensibly was like a few days ago or something, or like you know, a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. Um, but they decide they need to go to Markov Manor and, and ask Soren to help them, even though last time they did that, he got super pissed off at them. Yeah, and then like got in a huge fight with Sigarda, and then that was the last time they saw him, so it seems like... And I guess and then they stole his shit and yeah. ran out of his home. <laughs> and then he's like, "Well, you fucking ruined everything." Because now, yeah. uh, basically, we have to go get the key back to finish the ritual, right. so that sun and night will, or you will have day again on Innistrad. And it just—it seems like a loose plan, and they basically kind of wave it off by saying to fairies, "Like, well, has Soren ever really been happy? He's always kind of grumpy." And they're like, oh, you're right. He is kind yeah. of grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it more likely that he'll help us. Yeah. No, man, if I were Soren, I'd be like, oh, no, Olivia has the moon silver key. Maybe you shouldn't have fucking taken it from my mansion. Exactly. Like, get um, out of here. Though, to be fair, um, he is uh, walking around his manor, which he usually spends all of his time there. And uh, he's kind of remembering his grandfather and what he used to tell him, who's Edgar Markov. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to go downstairs to chat with him uh, to ask him about what I should do. Because uh, apparently he just wakes up. Like they have a place where they just have all their old, the old vampires are sleeping. And you can just wake them up mm-hmm. whenever you want to talk to him. Like so nobody's really dead ever. <laughs> yeah. Apparently he does that every now and again too. Just wakes up his grandfather and it's like, yo, what's what should I do about this? Yeah, so... That's kind of cool, but also weird, but whatever. Anyway, he goes to do that, and, uh, oh no, Edgar's gone. Except for we all knew that, not... kind of, from, yeah. from a story <laughs> spotlight card. Well, be... well, so yeah, Fateful Absence was a story, I like how you have it labeled as story spotlight number zero, because it's not even a story spotlight card for this set. Yeah. Um, it, was... it was in the previous set, and it shows Soren opening a coffin and seeing nothing in it. But that's not what happens. Right? No, no. They specifically mention that the coffin is missing, and he walks in and just sees that his his father's coffin's missing, along with a bunch of other coffins that he doesn't even realize at that moment. But we'll get to it later. Um, right. So yeah. that's the f- that, that's the funny part I, I find is that he gets surprised when all his like all the other people are there too. And she's yeah. like, Did you not notice there were like dozens of coffins? <laughs> exactly. So you only cared about your grandfather. <laughs> um, so this is the first time, and this isn't always, this happens often in, in the magic story and the cards where the cards depict something and the story tells you something else. Um, we will see yeah. a couple more times this instance. It, and they're not really big things. This is the most egregious where it's like, well, it's, they said <laughs> it's not even right. like no it's weird to it pick something very different yeah um yeah and that's just because not everything's finalized when they have to finalize the cards so 
not everything gets finished at the same time. So probably the story is still evolving. Um, even after they have the cards have to like be finalized. Exactly. Though or the other way around. I don't know how you you could also just go in and cut out all the bits that say coffin and just change it, but whatever. Um obviously yeah. I'm not the writer, so I would be really pissed if I wrote something and then they're like, oh by the way, this tiny point changed because the artist did it differently. Blah 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 blah. Doesn't matter. Um but uh let's keep going because that's not even a story spotlight from this set. Uh <laughs> right. But anyway, what was the other thing? I was like, why was this in the previous set? It, like, that's that was definitely just a balancing thing. They wanted Fateful Absence to be in the previous set for whatever yeah, reason. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. Like, oh, they just wanted that card. It's a good removal spell. Let's put it in the last set. Uh, that must have been some design right. thing. But And they were, you know, trying to give Mono White a boost or whatever. Yeah. Um, but while he's looking at, uh, at the empty space where the coffin was, a bat flies in with a first story spotlight card from the actual set, which is a wedding invitation. Um, woohoo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and of course he, he grabs it and reads it and is like, I know exactly what this is, but oh no, he kills the bat. He grabs the bat and crushes it and then takes it. And he's like, Oh, yeah. what, what the fuck is this? And then the Gatewatch gang shows up. Yeah, I was wondering if that bat was like a vampire too. Some of them turn into bats or whatever. Yeah, Did right. He just crush a vampire in his hand. <laughs> Maybe. It, I mean, I guess he would know, but it also, well, as we'll see, vampires don't really give a shit about other vampires that much. So. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, he could easily be a vampire. That's he it just, lightly, yeah. yeah, he just doesn't care. Uh, so he just crushes them. <laughs> um, and he's like in a slightly bad mood. So. That, that thing had to die. Yeah, but apparently he's always in a slightly bad mood, so whatever. Yeah, so what the hell? Let's yeah. ask him for help. Exactly. Uh, but that's the that's the end and of the first episode of uh, our, our chapters, I guess. Well, like, does... I forget if the Gatewatch meets him and talks to him at the end, or is that the start of the next one? They do it at the end, but it's very quick. It's really just like, hey, we're here. Let's go to the wedding. And that's basically what happens. It's a very okay, short... Yeah. And then the Gatewatch is like, what wedding? And then it's like the one Olivia told you about when she killed Catilda. Yeah, remember? Remember that part? So so if you, our listeners, don't remember that, just go check out episode 50, which is our dr- Drunken Vorthos Midnight Hunt. You could get a refresher and not look as silly as the Gatewatch did. That's yeah. true. <laughs> they forgot about something that was just told to them. And I forgot to mention that at the beginning. <laughs> If you don't know anything <laughs> about this story, go back to episode 50 and listen to that. Or further back, we do some more Innistrad lore. But Jeff, we're going into episode two, which is the Dolores Weight of Pleasantries. And we get another story spotlight right off the bat. Yeah. So so one thing, um, the, the story spotlight is Voldaren Estate. So now we're actually going to the wedding, basically, which is held at Olivia's mansion, uh, which is called Voldaren Estate. I was just going to say one thing I've really noticed in the way that these things are written is the authors really love to start you off with a character, for, like with the point of view of a character who, A, you've never heard of, and B, doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's happening here where Cordelia is uh, speaking to her vampire friend Relio at the uh, <laughs> vampire wedding. And Relio is kind of annoying her because, I don't know, he doesn't like a certain family of vampires, um, I guess, and doesn't think they should have been invited to the wedding. 
Yeah. That's where we enter here. He seems to be the kind of like, like racist uncle character, you know? Or is right, like, yeah, that's the exact right way to describe Like, he doesn't, like, like, like... In my day, we never would have affiliated with such people. People, like, they're disgusting, and I can't believe they do things with demons or whatever. So anyways, while he's complaining about... So the Dom Nathy, or the vampire family that he hates, while he's spouting off about them, uh, one of them just kills him. So Henrika Dom Nathy comes up from behind and just, like... Yeah, just stabs through him from the back, basically. Yeah, and then Cordelia just... Is like, oh, okay. Yeah. She's just like, oh, thank God he was getting so annoyed. Yeah, but this is also her partner that she's been with for, like, hundreds of years. So, like, it's not even just, like, <laughs> yeah. some dude that's her friend. It's literally, like, her husband. And then while he's talking about that, she decides, like, you know what? You're getting kind of annoying. If you ended up dying, it wouldn't be that big a deal. And then he literally dies immediately after that. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's kind of... This kind of puts it in perspective, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Your I, partner's just being slightly annoying, and so now you suddenly wish they were dead. <laughs> yeah, or just, like, think it'd be okay. Um, the one thing I was yeah. really excited slash shocked by is Henrika, uh, they just add a little flavor in there, but they say that she was rumored to be the the one-time lover of Grizzlebrand. So basically... <laughs> yeah, I remember that. So she had a one-night stand with Grizzlebrand? <laughs> I want to stop the podcast yeah, real she, quick to talk about demon sex. Is that, can you do that? Yeah. Demon vampire sex. Um, yeah, I thought that was a really strange detail to include. I, I wasn't sure how I felt about that. So that was one of the things that uh, racist Uncle Relio was complaining about, is that the Domnathy are rumored to consort with demons. Uh, and so that's like their thing. They love demons. And apparently Henrika loves demons a little more than the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I was also, I don't know if this was a thing, but isn't there a thing about how angels are like smooth down there, right? Like there's nothing going on. Isn't that? Well, I don't know. I think that's like angel lore. <laughs> so then I was assuming demons were also they're that They're too way? pure for something as as base as yeah. sex. Because they're not, they, they are created in a different way, so they don't need that. Um Right. And I think that we've seen a lot, like, demons don't either, right? So, what did they do? <laughs> like, <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, you, you know what? Get out of here, Chandra and Adeline. I'm going to say Henrika and Grizzlebrand are the sexiest couple of this story. Yeah, they definitely are. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, I don't want to get too sidetracked on that, but I was just like, what? <laughs> What's, what is this? <laughs> yeah, and so, if you want to learn more about Henrika, the... <laughs> Gristlebrand's side piece, um, you're not going to because that, that's the only role she plays in this story is to walk up and kill Relio. Yeah. And it kind of was presented like, it was like the first half of the story almost. Kind of like presented that Henrico was going to end up mattering and then she just doesn't. So that was a little surprising to me. But basically we're just in this like really lavish um, great hall in the Voldaren estate or, or Olivia's like manor. And it's like snowing blood, I guess is the best way to put it. They're like, they look like rose petals and they're falling, they're in the air. And when they hit you, they turn into their liquid form of blood. And so that was the other thing about Relios. He didn't follow the dress code. Right. Which was to wear red. Yeah. He wore like white. So he was getting all these blood stains on his white uh, shirt from Idiot. all these rose petals yeah. snowing down onto him. Yeah. That's why you follow the dress code, people. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, because who knows when there's going to be some crazy blood magic where a bunch of blood petals are coming from exactly. this guy. Um, oh, just going to say, this is when uh, our bride enters. So I guess she just, like, swoops in uh, in the middle of the great hall. You know, vampire weddings are a little different, I guess. Yeah. I was kind of imagining there were stairs, but uh, I don't think they ever mentioned it. But yeah, I'm sure that she's... Yeah, yeah, she was like... Maybe, but I, I always... So in my head, she was like flying, Got but it. going down the stairs. Okay, yeah, as yeah. As like a... You know, just like as an ostentatious kind of thing. Like, oh, I, I could use these stairs. But I'm so but powerful. I'm, fl- I'm going to hover slightly above oh, yeah, them yeah. and that... like follow their follow their general trajectory yeah that definitely uh that makes sense yeah and this is where i guess another difference in vampire weddings is that it's normal to just not know who the groom is or i don't know is that a thing it's like a surprise reveal of of who's gonna be the groom yeah uh but this is when she like brings down edgar's coffin and opens it up and it's like this is my the guy i'm gonna marry it's edgar hooray (laughs) except for i think she introduces him as her husband and i'm like wait what didn't you haven't got married yet did you guys get married (laughs) i don't know um this is also where we go back and we're uh we see that the gate watch gang has already like formed and they're outside the gates trying to figure out how to get inside right because the bouncers yeah the bouncers aren't gonna let them in (laughs) there are bouncers outside and one thing is okay there's a lot of talk about everyone's wardrobe in this Soren's wardrobe he doesn't mm-hmm. do the attire we have of course the the bride and the groom uh we get to talk about Arlen for a really long time we talk about Adeline um Chandra is dressed to kill and I don't know anything what she looks like they don't talk about it at all <laughs> yeah I mean <laughs> I was just I assume she wore red because it's Chandra yeah but like I I was just surprised that it seems to be such an important thing on her card and then in the story, they didn't even men- like Adeline doesn't even stop and like look at her or anything. It's just like right. Also, where did they get these clothes? Who made these clothes? Are these blood clothes? <laughs> like, did Soren make blood clothes for them? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> no, Arlen's was like explicitly like woodsy. Yeah, basically. Said. But it's like, did you? Where did you get? The- I don't know. <laughs> it just it makes sense that they would dress up but it's also like how though it is funny now that you say it it's like arlen was dressed in this elegant piece that you know has a little bit of her bestial nature yeah and there's like glimpsed into that and then it's like and then adeline was wearing this you know very there's like elegant leather uh, yeah but she still has like metal and leather and stuff but it's like really nice right and then nothing about chandra like and chandra was there too (laughs) (laughs) what Oh. And then her card is dressed to kill. Exactly. Um, but anyway, the important part that we find out is that uh, they're standing there trying to get inside, and they find out that there are um, magic wards around the estate that stop people from going in, specifically this bird that flies into it and just gets fried up, um, which yeah, leads exactly. us to our third story spotlight card, which is by invitation only. Uh, so it basically means, hey, mm-hmm. if you don't have an invitation, you can't get in. And each invitation is a single entry. There's no plus ones to this wedding, which is pretty rude. Yeah, I thought this scene was so ridiculous because it's just like, you know, they make it seem like such this matter of life and death tale or whatever, but this part is like they have one invitation and there's six of them 
and it, it's like a bunch of drunk people outside the club <laughs> trying to talk the bouncer into letting them in. This <laughs> is the bouncer's the, just like, no, no, yeah, no. <laughs> like this is the most relatable scene I think for me in the whole <laughs> whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, just like what not even a plus one he's like no <laughs> um also this is a moment where um chandra notices the smell of adeline's leather which is an important. oh yeah that's important yeah um i just made little notes of every time uh we get those little hints uh <laughs> because they are not hints uh and it's not a surprise at all but uh it's a welcome one it's you know it's a great story bit but um uh, if anyone thinks that it was a surprise they get together it's not <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, it was even clear from the last set of stories. Exactly. Event, right? um, they were more than friends. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Soren goes into the wedding alone. Uh, and we get some uh, some story bits with Soren. Yeah, like a little bit of flashes to his past and a little bit of just he hates everyone, I guess. Like. Yeah, it's like he hates everyone, but it's not, it's not entirely his fault. Uh, mm-hmm. But it does make you... Like, throughout the story, I think Soren's bits are the most interesting to me uh, because he's portrayed yeah. a very specific way to everyone else. And this is kind of the first time we start to see him being portrayed as, like, um, not part of the gang. Like, right. he always seems a little bit like a loner and stuff, and everybody thinks of him that way. But this is the first time it seems like he's actively, like, picked on and, like, uh, thought of as, like, the weak little one, which is interesting. Yeah. Because he's, you know, stronger than all the other. Yeah, because he can, like, he's a planeswalker. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember you made that angel. Whatever. You think you're so cool. Like, she yeah, was stupid. It wasn't going to work, you know, and all this stuff. You're like, whoa, can you make an angel? You can't make an angel. Like, what? what's happening? It worked for a really long time, dude. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> well, I'm sure Henrika was mad that he made the angel, right? That's true. She defeated Gristlebrand. So. Yeah. Um, but this is also the moment where we realize that the Valderan estate is, like, enchanted. Yeah, that was also kind of a cool part, is, like, apparently it just kind of, you know, it has the Hogwarts thing where mm-hmm. staircases move and all that shit, um, but it does so in accordance with Olivia's will, like, how, what she wants it to do, it does. Um, and so there's all these, you know, legends of if you ever wander off in the Voldaren manner on your own you just never you're never seen again yeah because you got lost in this like epic maze uh that is constantly moving so you can never solve the maze and get out and so then the halls are just filled with all these like ghosts of these people that came over for dinner and died and then we're like right. eaten by <laughs> vampires actually that is kind of interesting because Voldaren estate makes blood as the land and the actual estate mm. does kill the people. So that's, all right. I kind of like that. That's good flavor. Yeah. Mm. It also gives you a little bit of insight into Olivia where it's like, it's just fun for her that if one of her dinner guests wanders off alone, he just dies. Yeah. She just thinks that's hilarious and is going to, you know, manipulate her estate to make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> which is, I mean, <laughs> makes sense. I mean, if that's your sole purpose for inviting them over also, which I could see her doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but now Soren, uh, comes inside and is greeted by Olivia. And this is kind of when Olivia's really rubbing it in his nose. It seems like 
This whole thing is for Soren, almost. It's not really. We find yeah, out what it's... Yeah, it's almost like they do this to try to piss Soren off, because every decision is just, like, aimed at pissing Soren off. Yeah. Um, which, because... So basically, um, to wake up Edgar, and this is our another story spotlight card, Edgar's Awakening, um, Olivia mm-hmm. has to, like, basically make him drink her blood oh yeah it's super weird yeah um which is like a vampire thing because if your blood is in other people or you have other people's blood it's like in your stream you can control they basically control blood right so if someone else has your blood inside them you can control what that blood does which is essentially their the things that they do their body and um, yeah so she like cuts her wrist basically and pours it into this hole in the coffin and somehow that gets inside of him and then he wakes up and then she, as the card shows, she has more blood going on to him. Um, which He literally just like goes to town on her wrist. Or yeah, <laughs> it has like some weird, like, I don't know if you were getting this, but I was feeling some sort of like uh, breastfeeding vibes almost. Like a, like a, it had a, yeah, it was very strange. Yeah, yeah. It did have a little kind of ickiness to it. Cause obviously it's blood and whatever, but like there was some weird thing, something else going on. I don't know. Um, yeah. And it also said moments. So I'm just imagining like everyone's sitting there watching him like suck on her wrist for two minutes. Or yeah. something. <laughs> and then like after that, that's when she prances around and shows Soren. Oh, not only that, but. All of the relatives that you hate, all the specifically the ones that you hate, I've also yeah. brought them, and I'm also <laughs> going to wake them up. Because, you know, you yeah. can't have the groom stand up there by himself. He has to have, you know, a best man and, you know, all of Yeah, it'd be party. bad form, you know, of course. to have only the bride's side. So I think in that, in that sense, Olivia is, uh, you know, very nice to Edgar, at least. Hey, Yeah, it's really uh, considerate. Yeah, thoughtful. because the, the rest of the wedding is just a sham so that she can gain total control over uh well all of Innistrad essentially but the vampires at first but uh but yeah it's basically all of uh Sora's relatives wake up and they don't even say anything to him they just walk by and they make him they just like laugh at him pretty much they just make him kiss their cheeks they like kiss his cheek yeah it's basically like your aunt walking up and being like I kiss me but not saying yeah, anything double cheek kiss and they just like they're just like no he's a buzzkill and they're like whatever he's here and it's like it's a really sad, like, specific fuck you moment to Soren, which I thought was very uncalled for. <laughs> yeah, that, and that, that moment actually, like, resonated with me a little bit because my family never did the, the like, cheek kissing mm-hmm. thing of your um, aunts and uncles or whatever, but my wife's family does. Mm. So anytime I would go to one of their events, I would have to, to do that. And they always laugh at me because I was really awkward doing it because it's like i didn't know that i was supposed to do this i don't really know <laughs> like i've never done this before you know? yeah and uh so that when when i read that i was just like i get exactly what it's feeling like too because it's just like yeah it, you have to do this weird thing that you're not used to exactly no i'm, I'm on the uh, same boat they appreciate that i do it though but yeah they do laugh at me a little bit sometimes because it's, it's just it doesn't you know it. yeah and I, I feel the same way my family didn't do that either um so when mm-hmm. I would be around people that did or would like kind of expect that, it always felt a little like I'd try to I try to jump into it, but it's like, ah, I don't know, it doesn't make me feel super comfortable. Especially now. Especially yeah, exactly. now it's like, why would you ever do that? Um, but uh, <laughs> of course a couple of years ago it's like uh, it's just kind of strange. But anyway, that brings us mm-hmm. to the end of chapter two, uh, which also kind of brings me to the end of my beer. Yeah, brings me to the end of 
Cronenberg 1664. Mm -hmm. So let's go to a beer break. This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over at Patreon. That's right. It's the best way to support this show since, you know, no company wants to sponsor us. But luckily, you, our loyal listeners, do. And when you become a patron, you get an exclusive invite to our after party, uh, which is a mini episode recorded immediately after this one where we ramble about non-magic related things and just, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but yeah. <laughs> and even better than that, you get to buy me a beer. No, well, no, no, no. You get to buy me a beer. Well, let's leave that up to them. Yeah, so if you go to our Patreon, uh, go to patreon.com slash arena regulars, and you get to vote on who your favorite host is. It is kind of funny pouring uh, these beers into glasses. Usually, you're not going <laughs> to dirty a glass for yeah, one of these. That's right. <laughs> Though, with that being said... Our next beer, Jeff, would you like to introduce us to our, our second beer of the night? I would. Um, up next on the docket is Coors Original, um, I guess previously known as Coors Banquet. Mm -hmm. Now, I actually, this rebrand makes sense to me because I don't know how things were in the States, but for a long time here, there was no Coors Original. It was just Coors Light. And so you'd be like, is there an original, like, is there a regular Coors or do they just only make this light beer? And then it's actually relatively recent that I started seeing Coors Banquet on the shelves. And then I wasn't sure if that was the original Coors or if that was like a new beer that they had. Yeah. And so I had to look it up and be like, oh, it is the original one. So it totally makes sense to me that they're just calling it Coors Original now and not Coors Banquet because that did confuse me when I first saw it. Um, because there was this thing that, like, it's weird that Coors Light is just way more, like, well-known and popular than Coors originally. Totally, yeah. Uh, yeah, compared to, like, Bud and Budweiser, or Bud Light and Budweiser, where it's, like, you see those often enough. Um, but, like, Coors Light and, like, the Silver Bullet is so big that uh, you don't always see the, the Coors Banquet or original. So this is a lager that uh, was originated in the USA in Golden, Colorado. Yeah, get me some Colorado hey, right in there. It's your uh, home state. Probably the reason why the cans are gold. And there's bits of gold on it, um, which is nice. It's 5%. Because it's from Golden. Exactly. Look at that. Uh, and the founding year was 1873. Though I did find this fun little thing that I did not know. So... In 1873, there were German immigrants, Adolf Coors and Jacob Schuler. They were from Prussia. Uh, I guess they were coming from Prussia, but originally they were German. I don't know. Anyway, they came to the States and they went to Golden, Colorado, and they started a brewery with a Pilsner-style beer recipe that they got from this Czech immigrant, William Silhan. Um, and basically, at that point, uh, Coors invested $2,000 and Schuler invested $18,000. So you would think it would be called Schuler original, but um, <laughs> uh, basically in 1880, which was only seven years later, Coors just bought out everything from Schuler. And well, I'm sure Schuler feels really bad about that. So yeah, smart move. <laughs> smart move. Uh, man, all I'm thinking is I, I wish I could start a brewery for $20,000. That would be great. Yeah, that would be really great. Um, if you are a patron on our Patreon, you can help us start a bar or brewery um, if you'd like. Uh, we have a really good tier for that, so go check that out. Um, yeah, yeah, it, very affordable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Jeff, let's, uh, let's get back into our story here. Okay. 
Um, so now we're entering chapter three or episode three or, or you know, story number three, whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it. It's called uh, Forever Hold Your Peace. Um, and there's a suspicious amount of time, I would say, talking about a glass window. Yeah. <laughs> it's like literally several paragraphs just about there's a stained glass window um, and how much time it met, it took to create and how thoughtful the artist had to be to create it and stuff. So you just know that this window is not long for this world. Like that yeah, thing is going to get shattered. No it's going to get smashed. Yeah. I think it's specifically the one of Olivia. She like got it made for the wedding or something, or maybe it was just for her house, but it's a picture of Olivia with her fangs out and everything and like looking cool. But like, you know, it's the same thing with like the Chandra and the Adeline. We were like, well, yeah, you spend so much time talking about this. Like something, you know, I know what you're doing. I'm not going to be surprised when they get together at the end, you know? Exactly. Um, and we get a continued thing with like Olivia is like tormenting Soren, which is literally everything she does. Um, and mm-hmm. it seems like like the whole ceremony that she's doing is kind of pointed towards him, um, which yeah. continues to feel weird. It, it is told from his perspective, I guess. So obviously, you know, he's going to feel that way. But uh, it does seem a little bit like, you know, she's always staring at him and like seeing how trying to see trying to read his reaction and hoping that he's annoyed yeah or, or pissed exactly off. which makes a little bit more sense after this moment where olivia calls all of her thralls and basically they're going to they're like on the ceiling and they like crawl up and over and like basically they, they like pull this chain thing down and they repel this huge thing that looks like a birdcage because it has like this cloth covering over it but actually mm-hmm. It's our story spotlight number five, which is Sigarda's imprisonment. So it's Sigarda, just wrapped up in like blood rope. They, I don't understand totally what happened here. Like Soren fought Sigarda, and then she just was like pieced out, I guess. But she was kind of weak, and then Olivia swooped in and uh, I don't know, imprisoned her in her own wings and some like red ribbon. I don't totally get how we got here. Yeah. Um, but she has Sigarda trapped. Yeah. Exactly. Um, which uh, is still to the confusion. Uh, this is another moment where it's consistently talked about how her wings are wrapped around her and she can't move because her wings are around her. However, in the card, her wings are out and the ribbons right. are just around They're her like body. Right, they're like fully extended. Now, I don't know if this is more of a logistic thing with the card where if her wings weren't extended, you wouldn't be able to tell it was an angel because the art is so small most of the time. I think that probably was part of that. Um, but her, having her wings wrapped around her makes a bit more sense. However, this specific angel being the one that upsets Soren is kind of strange from what we saw from the last one. He literally fought her like yeah <laughs> a week ago like really intensely too it seemed like deathly um mm-hmm. and so we don't see what happens and soren throughout this is getting a lot of flashes to when he was um basically transformed into a vampire right. um uh through this we will we will see a lot of flashbacks of when he was a child and edgar was kind of forcing him to become a vampire and there was an angel who was hung upside down with her wings trapped and she's trying to break free and she can't and they're drinking her blood which is uh we had talked about it in another drunken vorthos about how that's how they became vampires 
and mm-hmm. Edgar talked to a demon and they he told her he told them to drink angel blood. <laughs> so he was like, "Yo, I can, if you make me a vampire, I can hook you up with some uh, vampire booty." No, it's, it's <laughs> <I know. laughs> um. This is also the moment where we find out Olivia's like master plan, but besides like the whole, you know, take control of all the vampires and stuff, but uh, drinking angel blood is really hard, apparently. Like it's, it could kill you. And so you have to be mm-hmm. super old or something. I don't exactly know how this works. It seemed a or little it's confusing. It's like really pure. Yeah. Or I don't know. It, and it could kill, or maybe it can kill vampires. Or something. I'm really. I yeah, wasn't. It takes a really powerful vampire to drink angel blood. I yeah. Think. So like Edgar is one of the reasons. Is like, oh, you need a really old, powerful vampire, Edgar, super powerful, and or you have something that's made of the moon that can help mm-hmm. you drink it, which is the moon silver key. Right. So that's why she wanted the moon silver key. Yeah. So this is the whole. It's supposed to tie the whole thing together. Is oh, she needs the moon silver key to drink angel blood so that she controls all the angels on Innistrad because if she drinks blood she can control the other blood that's around yeah them. um right she can control the angels is basically she wants to be able to control the angels exactly and allegedly this is a way to make that happen i'm just imagining her like dipping this big ass key into blood and then like licking it off the key yeah does she like shit? suck it i was i guess i was thinking that the moon silver key like was also meant for this so it had like a hole in a or like a kind of divot where you could pour something sort of basin like a shooter like one of those like a i don't know like one of those shot slides at a bar where they pour it and it slides all the way down into your mouth so it was kind of like a a blood bong i don't know i was it was (laughs) stretching it a little bit to try to figure out what the how you would do this Besides, like you were oh, saying. Oh, I'm just imagining her, like, staring at Soren as she licks the blood off this key, you know. <laughs> just like, <laughs> what? It's so weird. Anyway, um, so that's the plan. Um, and uh... <laughs> so, so this kind of, like, harkens back to what you were talking about, right? Where it's like, the blood seems to do all these different things. Because, I, I don't know if we've mentioned it, but the vampires are just getting drunk off the blood that is being provided at this wedding. Yeah. Like it overtly mentions a few times that they're like intoxicated. And so I guess that blood gets you drunk. This blood lets you control whoever it came from. Yeah. And like, and we'll see another instance of blood having a totally different effect later. Yeah. So we, so we know that like, yeah, exactly. So the blood that they're drinking at the, I don't think it's, I think it's all, okay. Let me, let me start over. Okay. It's probably human blood gets you drunk. <laughs> yeah, I think it's an excess of blood will get you drunk. Like, if you eat way too much food, you feel kind of loopy or sleepy or weird, maybe. Yeah. And it's a stretch, but, like, closer. Um, and uh, they're just drinking a ton of, just, like, literally every villager ever. But, like, also, if you could control all the villagers, I guess you kind of do because they have to give you the blood now because you force them to. Um, right. I don't really know. Anyway... Um, there's a ton of blood everywhere and everyone's drunk at this point, basically. Um, which Olivia also seems like that because she has not, she's also mentioned a few times already that she doesn't want Soren to ruin her big day. It's like, yeah. why did you invite him if you didn't want him? I'm confused. Like you, you're trying to toy well, because with because she had to taunt him. Yeah. But she's also worried that her day is going to get ruined or she wants to complain that her day is getting ruined. I think that's what it really is. 
She's excited yeah, yeah. to complain about that. Um, Bit which, of a bridezilla here. We're going to hear a couple more times throughout the story. So uh, this is not the first time we, we know that she's kind of saying those things. I think she's also just so arrogant, you know, like it mentions a few times, you know, her love of herself, let's say her narcissism runs pretty deep. So she probably just thought, even if I invite somebody who like, he won't be able to stop me because I'm too good. Yeah, totally. Um, no, that's totally it. And uh, anyway, so the ceremony starts and she does, they just start right off with the vows. And so she says her vows to Edgar, which are, which were lovely. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> just her saying, Hey, I only want you so I can control all the vampires. And it, but she also kind of controls him. He's kind of brainwashed because it's her blood that like brought him back up. And she, she Soren talks about how, because she was so um, emotional at the time and her, her, she was so excited and, and there's something about your feelings are in your blood. So when you give it to someone else, they will feel the same feelings that you have. Um, right. Yeah. Which is also why he didn't want Edgar to drink her blood. Yeah. Because when he talks to his grandpa, he spends a lot of time trying to calm down and be relaxed and not be in a, in a tizzy, I guess. Um, anyway, so Olivia didn't do it right. I don't know. Anyway. Um, and (laughs) who knows, but this is the moment Um, where we get the classic wedding move, like the, you know, speak now or forever hold your peace thing. Right. And, um, and remember that Soren is like chained up at this point. So some, right. some guards like threw some shackles at him basically. And so while Olivia's pissing him off, there are like four dudes holding chains that are around Soren's neck. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just giving him a yank if he ever yeah, gets I, out of I hand. guess that was the main reason why I thought it was all for him. Because it's like no one else is chained up. Also, <laughs> no, no one else is shackled yeah. right in the middle of everything. Yeah, like, well, I guess Sagarda. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. But as I understand it, Soren does exactly what you said, the I object to this wedding or this marriage, mm-hmm. but he makes, he coalesces blood into a sword that then slashes through his chains. Yep, he does. <laughs> Which is pretty badass. It's pretty sick. I mean, like, whatever, sanguimancy, sangu- whatever, a blood magic is cool. Sanguimancy, sanguimancy. something like that. Blood magic, um, sure. Yeah, yeah, blood magic is pretty sweet. <laughs> Uh, so he slashes through his chains, uh, and then right when that happens, we get to cut outside, uh, where, um, the, uh, Gatewatch has a nice little discussion, because we, of course we need some comic relief, because how could you not have comic relief in a story, where they're talking Mm -hmm. about whether a vampire wedding would have cake or not. Mm -hmm. I found this to be useless. (laughs) Yeah. And I love how she asks if they have cake, and then it's like describes how everyone starts laughing. Just like, was that a joke? <laughs> is it is it funny? I don't know. What's the answer? Is that a real question? Like, <laughs> is it? Like, I I don't know what. The, why is this funny? And then basically, Teferi like says, "Red velvet cake or something." Yeah, I don't, I don't think this is a joke. <laughs> so then Teferi basically says something really nice about how weddings bring people together, and it doesn't matter if there's cake or not, even vampires. Yeah, yeah and it was just like. Is this supposed to be a sweet like, moment? Like, I don't... That's not what this wedding is about at all. It's about domination. Yeah, and this moment's basically just to, like, oh, we have to go check in on them while they're still standing outside waiting to get inside. 
and that was my favorite part because it's just like so all this shit is happening and the gate watch the heroes of the tale are just like chilling outside having stupid discussions yeah so <laughs> i guess i mean i did think it was kind of funny there was a couple other ones that are added in but it also felt like <laughs> why did you and I'm just imagine the bouncers standing there like rolling their eyes <laughs> like what if they like they could have just asked the bouncers that question like that would have been funnier but <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, trying to get some intel. But anyway, um, that happens. And then Soren just starts, uh, we cut back to him and he's slashing, stabbing stuff, (laughs) going after the moon silver key. And and he like stabs Olivia's dress or he's like slashes her in the dress. And then the moon silver key falls to the ground. And as it does that, light explodes from the key. And we get... Catilda, Don Hart Martyr. Mm-hmm. So Catilda, if you remember, is the witch that was trying to reverse the cycle of Endless Night. Uh, Olivia kind of swoops in, kills her, and steals the Moon Silver Key. Um, but her spirit is now emerging to ruin the festivities. And while this is happening, uh, Olivia and Soren are fighting over the key. And uh, Sigarda, like wakes up, because apparently she was asleep before. And then she just like freaks out and breaks through the blood chain ribbon things that she was in. And, uh, yeah. Like, well, I, so I thought like Catilda, it was a little unclear. I thought maybe Catilda freed her. Oh, I guess that like, kind of makes a, sense. Sent a bolt of like light at her and that freed her or woke her up or whatever. And then, um, and then she explodes and this is where the stained glass breaks. Oh man, that took so much work. I know, man, those, those, um, whatever they're called glass window makers it's so sad um (laughs) yeah and then uh everyone on the outside um we get a little bit more of adeline and and chandra having some sort of love connection uh while they watch all the light explode out of this estate and the wards crumble down and it's like go time i think what they say is we've got a wedding to crash or something like that um, yeah, yeah, it's no longer by invitation only. Yeah, exactly. And, and I don't know if we mentioned this, but I guess they assembled like a, a veritable army of people that were just waiting around, right. like over the hill, to charge this uh, this manor. Yeah, yeah. So they it wasn't just yeah yeah. I guess that makes sense. It wasn't just the <laughs> the five of them, there or whatever number it is. Um, <clears throat> they did get a bunch of like villagers or people that were harmed in like the 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 whatever massacre. Um, Mm-hmm. what is it called dawn heart massacre yeah the harvest tide right? harvest tide that's what it's called see that's why i have you around so you can remind me what the things are <laughs> called um but that finishes up episode three of the story so we're going into episode four of course which is the wedding crashers and starts right off with a story spotlight um this is basically kind of the last thing that happened in the last thing but uh it's Agarda's summons which is her Blasting light everywhere, breaking windows, and summoning the 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 war, the battle, the whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah, it's like it seems based on the card that she should be like summoning angels to the fight to come help. But it doesn't really seem like other angels actually show up in the story. No, but she, it does mean that she she makes the other people stronger somehow and make them angels, right. kind of. But again, the art on this card has a bunch of angels like bursting through the window. I think they're meta. I think they're metaphorical angels, because <laughs> okay. you're you're turning a bunch of little ones into angels, right? 
So yeah. maybe, I don't know. I, that's what I'm going to try to, I, I'm trying to bend it, you know, just, just a little bit. Um, just a little twist. Yeah. So um, anyway, all hell breaks loose. And uh, basically this army that the Gatewatch has assembled rushes into the estate. And as they're rushing in, uh, they're, they're, they're killing all the guards and doing the stuff. And they do make enough time for Teferi uh, to look over at Chandra to make a joke about how ugly the decor is in the Valderan estate, which again seems, I guess, uh, you know, if we were watching this as a movie, maybe it would have felt more like, um, uh, like Legolas and Gimli kind of banter. Um, but as yeah, you, <laughs> but it seems like, does Teferi really care about fashion or that's, that's the thing for me. It just didn't seem like something Teferi would say. Yeah. I would expect Chandra to say that to somebody else, not Teferi to say it to Chandra. Or maybe it would give like Arlen something to say that's like, because uh, she's really not about the the rich life, right? She would kind of be or like, like oh. Kaya, because Kaya's character is pretty fluid. It seems exactly. <laughs> so it just seems sometimes Her they just personality. they just don't know how to write Teferi very well, um, and they try to make him funny for some reason, and then right. I don't know. This just um, makes me, like, you You mentioned the Legolas Gimli thing. This always makes me think of Marvel movies, mm-hmm. where, like, every hero is Iron Man now, where they're, like, facing mortal danger and they crack a joke. Yeah. And it's like, this is just, you know, their perfect blend of, like, uh, they've mastered the, the comedy action thing. story blend that they have. Mm-hmm. They have. They have their recipe for it. And this, this really made me think of that, when you're, like, charging in to fight a bunch of vampires and then you comment on the decor. Yeah, because it's supposed to show that you are so inept at battling that you aren't focused on it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Adept, right? Whatever, yeah. Um, yes, so uh, then we get another story spotlight, I guess, which is the Resistance Squad, which I don't know why this is a story right. spotlight card, but uh, we're getting into a, a group of weird story spotlight cards that I don't know why they're story spotlight cards, but whatever. Um <laughs> So it's just a bunch of random people running inside and fighting. Um, and Yeah, these are the people hiding behind the hill the whole time. Yeah, and we get... All of this is from, like, Arlen's perspective, I think. And she's talking to Kaya, and Kaya's like, Oh, I feel some ghost energy. And they're all really angry. And it's all of the ghosts that Olivia Voldaren have killed over the years in the mansion. And then Kaya's like, I'm going to go see if they want to help. Which is just a straight Lord of the Rings ripoff <laughs> from uh, <laughs> Return It's of the also King. like, isn't she a, isn't she a ghost hunter? She hate she, <laughs> I thought she probably killed all of their friends in the last one, right? Like, yeah, she was literally murdering <laughs> spirits left, yeah. right and center last time. And, uh, and now she's like encouraging that, you know, gaining their loyalty to help in, them in their trust or the whatever. Fight, like, like Aragorn did. Yeah. It's so weird. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't make a ton of sense. And before they rushed in, there was also like a weird moment with Arlen and Kaya where I wasn't quite sure what they were trying to do, just like build that friendship in particular. Yeah. And it talks about how like Arlen notices Kaya in a new light or something. For It felt really weird and out of place. And I was like, are they trying to do another like flirty thing like the Chandra and Adeline? Or, or are they trying to do like a, or a Chandra is growing as a person and Adeline or Arlen is seeing that? I don't really know what it is. Um, 
Because a lot of people... But anyways, that, that yeah. struck me as strange. And then they, they come back to it at the end where, like, Kaya and Arlen again have, like, a special moment. Yeah. And Arlen wants to be around. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll get yeah. to that. Um, but anyway, <laughs> this becomes the Arlen show for some fucking reason. I don't know why it's important that she's... Uh, I guess, no, it does. Because Arlen was all trying to prove that she cared as much about Innistrada Soren in the last story. So now this story, right. she's, like, a, a front runner. Um and so Arlen is running in and she's running and being sad that her pack isn't with her because they left her and blah, 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 blah. And something about Tovalar and I ho- hoping that maybe he would help. But like, doesn't she hate him? I don't know why this came up. <laughs> like, yeah, there, there's a whole thing. They try to explain that away later. but <laughs> Yeah, it seems strange. Um and uh, anyway, this is when, once again, Olivia is screaming that everyone is ruining her wedding and she's so upset. And somehow Kaya busts through the window with all the, the ghosts now. Um, yeah, like it didn't take her very long to go recruit her ghost army. Yeah. You know, like Aragorn should actually learn from her because she did it way mm-hmm. faster than he did. It took him a long ass time. But I guess it's basically just the card shows that she's busting through. There's a lot of cards showing people busting through windows when they didn't bust through windows. I thought she, like, snuck up on her in, like, incorporeal form or whatever that she can do. You know, she yeah. can, like, phase in and out. But instead, um, she busted through another window. Or at least that's what the picture says. But With a crossbow, according to the uh, art. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and they did talk about her shooting bolts at her. Um and it hits her dress and like the train on the ground and the train kind of breaks into like blood. So apparently her, her dress is made of blood. But also there were like spirits popping out of it. So she had like, I guess that's, those are the spirits of the blood of the people that's contained in her dress or whatever. Yeah. Her dress is like made out of like people. (laughs) I mean, that kind of makes sense. There are some good bits where they talk about the where the blood is from, which I kind of like. I've never really, you know, you usually think about, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of blood fountains or whatever, but specifically talking about, oh, right. these are all the people that encompass the blood from the fountain. I, I liked some mm-hmm. of those. Those those bits were quite nice. But this whole time I'm trying to figure out where the fuck is Soren? Like, it, shouldn't he be running <laughs> after Olivia? It seems like that was his job, right? Wouldn't you think? No, it's Arlen's job, obviously. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. They, Soren's no longer pissed at Olivia for some reason, and he's he's busy running after Edgar. Yeah. Uh, before he... Well, he's doing that, but before that happens, Olivia runs away, and uh, Kaya looks at Arlen and says, Go after her. We've got this, or whatever. And so Arlen's running off to have, like, a one-on-one with Olivia. Um, but yes, mm-hmm. tell us about how Soren is fighting Edgar, because this part, ugh. Yeah, so so basically, like, when the angel got let loose, when Sakarta got freed, Edgar kind of scurried away like a little, uh, you know, like a little bitch, basically. Basically. Um, and that, for some reason, Soren decided to chase him instead of Olivia for reasons that we've, you know, we've already mentioned that we don't really know uh, why that was his decision. Uh, but he goes into they they end up meeting in like what was it called a sanguatorium or some shit? Yeah, it was like uh, basically where they store all their blood. Like if they ever need some, it, it's their reserves, I guess. It's mm-hmm. their blood room where they store big ass pantry just full of blood. Uh, I guess blood doesn't uh, go bad <laughs> there. They must have magic barrels or something. Um, yeah. 
but it has like I, I was imagining it has like barrels of blood kind of like a wine cellar and then there's pipes that also funnel the blood throughout the house to all the fountains yeah it's it's their 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 keg room i guess yeah that's basically what it is yeah um but they edgar and soren start talking essentially but it quickly devolves into a pretty gruesome fight actually yeah uh (laughs) this one was like the most fucked up fight in any of the magic stories i think this is probably my favorite part of the entire piece uh is this bit right just because it, i think it was well executed by the writer i really i did enjoy the the bits we do have a lot of like gruesome fighting stuff but it really feels like yeah and he, and he managed to weave in some of soren's past memories and a little bit of dialogue here and there that actually felt like they might be yelling this while they're fighting and not the stupid like we fight for two seconds then have a deep discussion and then fight for another two seconds it, like, yeah exactly it, there's a lot of like um Edgar's throwing furniture at Soren, and then Soren pulls out his sword and is trying to fight Edgar, but then Edgar grabs Soren's wrist and like breaks his forearm. And then yeah. while that's happening, they're doing some other things, and then uh Edgar or Soren grabs a pipe from the wall and smashes Edgar's head, but then Edgar grabs Soren's head and breaks it into all these barrels, and there's like splinters going into his face. Like Yeah, and he cracked Edgar's skull up. Yeah. There. Uh, with the pipe smash uh-huh. and there, there's a lot of like gruesome stuff there's a there's a moment where soren gets thrown into the barrels and as the blood is spilling onto him he just puts it in his hands and drinks it and then the 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 strength from all the the people he just drank gave him power to fight edgar which i thought was hilarious yeah that's when he like rips the pipe out right yeah right like, it's, it's pipe time <laughs> I just like that he gets he gets thrown into this place and he's just like drinking this. It would be like but I'm imagining he's like <clears throat> eyeing, you know, he's staring Edgar dead in the eyes too as he just exactly like sips, drinks sips blood. from his hands. Like it would be essentially the same fight if we're fighting, but we both have like uh, pints or gl- like mugs of beer in our hand, and you <laughs> spill your beer and then you get thrown into the keg and the keg spills it all into your glass and you take a bunch of. Like a big swig of beer. Just take a big ass sip. Before yeah. you go fight again and keep keep your uh, mugs in your hand. Uh, that sounds like a great... Yeah. We should write that. Because... Chug, chug the beer, rip a pipe off the wall, and then bash <laughs> your skull in. <laughs> as you as you continue to chug the beer, you're just like windfalling the whole time. That sounds great. I We should write this because it's, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. But I guess what we learn really is that um, it doesn't actually seem like Edgar was entranced by Olivia. He just wanted to marry her yeah and he also doesn't think super highly of soren oh yeah that's an understatement for sure it, like, <laughs> you, you know we we hear earlier that soren would wake him up to, to ask him questions about stuff but apparently edgar was like fuck just dudes just figure it out by yourself why do you keep waking me up yeah why do i have to do everything all the time yeah and then he and then soren's like well i made the angel like wasn't that good he's like yeah because i did my entire life's research so that you could learn that it does this was an interesting moment for me because they're immortal i was wondering would that be what scientists would be like if they could live forever you know if some like isaac newton was like well fuck you i'm the one who figured this thing out so like you you're not so great like you know i gave you all the pieces so that you could learn how to do this so yeah like i it just made me think yeah, like that's that, totally what yeah that'd be interesting like if you could live that long to to see what your studies have brought 
you know, thousands of years later. So, um, just Einstein's there like, Oh my God, I laid it all out for you guys. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. I have to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I, uh, I, I did think this, all this whole bit was nice. And, and, um, through all of it, he's, he's pushed back into the moment as a child, having his head uh, pushed into the glass of wine or wine blood. I kept thinking it was wine the whole time because I was like, hmm, I want a glass of wine. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're like holding his Soren's head because he doesn't want to drink the blood from the angel because he feels bad for the angel. Mm-hmm. And then as he's transforming, he starts to feel like he's falling and his whole family's falling away from him. And as he's falling, he opens his eyes and realizes he's, he's actually falling in real life and Edgar has thrown him into a pit. Yeah, a pit of blood. Yes. That's... So I guess there's just this like, giant basin of blood in the sanguatorium yeah well you're getting all these eventually you know you get these bowls every day from all of the houses in in stencia you have to pour them somewhere so you just you dig a hole you pour it in the hole and you ladle it out later right yeah and and i did get the impression that this was also like primo blood like the stuff in the sanguatorium was uh the nice stuff you know it's like the wine cellars oh yeah you keep the good stuff. The it's really not the old. stuff you give to your guests <laughs> yeah. for free. It's the really old blood. Yeah, it's the... <laughs> yeah. The, only the congealed would we keep down here. <laughs> and then at some point, also, Soren randomly just, like, thinks of Nahiri. Yeah. For, well, like, a split second. Yeah. That's... Well, it, um a lot of the way that Edgar was talking to Soren is the way that Soren talks to Nahiri. Right. Um, because... Edgar's constantly talking about how Soren is like a child and all Soren does to Nahiri is talk about how Nahiri is a child, a comparative okay. to their age. I like that interpretation, right? Yeah. He learned how to be a mentor from his mentor. And so and that's why he's exactly. And, and you could, he's kind of having all these, these things flipped on him where Nahiri got freaking pissed off because her mentor wasn't helping her. And he's in this situation where it's basically happening again. Um, so I did like, yeah, I like that. Okay. Th- that's a nice kind of like, uh, piece that's bringing around. Cause he also just, con- he just constantly thinks everyone's a child compared to him. But then you see everyone in his family, it treats him like the little, they treat baby. him as the child. Yeah. So. And so it, it makes sense. So that was kind of a revelation for me. It was nice to, to see that. Cause, um, yeah. Anyway, this section is the, the golden jewel, I think of the entire piece. Everything else, throw it away. This piece... I, the, the Edgar Soren fight, yeah, it's definitely yeah. the best. So if you're going to read anything, this is the, the piece to read. But uh... <laughs> And that leads into a fight that was the opposite. I thought it was very disappointing. It was horrible. Oh, God. <laughs> it was just so... Um, so this is... Now we flash over to Arlen chasing Olivia. And I will say that this whole time, like, throughout the entire attack on... Uh, Voldaren estate Arlen is attempting not to transform into a wolf because she keeps saying she needs to keep her wits about her which I guess means that she becomes super primal when she turns into a wolf which so this is the part that made me think that in the last story she wasn't turning into a wolf every time that's what I was going to say it's confusing because I feel like the last story it there wasn't that distinction that you don't keep your mind really like there was the whole like bestial instincts yeah for sure but but there wasn't like oh you don't 
think rationally in your wolf form. And the thing about it that's weird is that all these stories from the Midnight Hunt through Crimson Vow, every chapter is written by the same woman. So she wrote all of them. And so that's why it's confusing that I was thinking it, it just seemed like a different choice. Right. It, it did feel like it was almost written by different people. Because actually. I just, I was waiting for it to be weird how Arlen is changing back and forth all the time. And this one was the complete opposite where it's like, she's not changing back and forth ever. And maybe that has to do with the fact that werewolves aren't the focus. So maybe, maybe you know, maybe she had a certain number of times that Arlen had to transform, you know, imposed upon her by wizards last time. Yeah. And this time she's like, right, well, it's I can not about actually, that. So. Yeah, I can write it the, the way that I would want to write it. Because this is more compelling, <laughs> right? This is It's much more compelling that she wouldn't want to transform because she can't control herself when she does. Although I don't like the way it was handled in this. No, story. but as far as like a story arc, it's much more the Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing than... Right, yeah. Yeah, which is like interesting. Compared to, uh, I'm turning into the better version of me, you know? Or Essentially, that's what it feels like every time. It's like, why are you not, yeah, exactly. why are you not a wolf right now? Yeah, you you're you're a stupid human that? that can't do anything. If you're a wolf that has a human brain, you'd be much better. I don't know. <laughs> Plus, there's the awkwardness of if, whenever you change back, you're like naked. And shit, exactly. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, this so getting back to the actual story so olivia is running and arlen's behind her and olivia gets to a dead end which this reminded me of klaus actually so it's like okay <laughs> olivia's the vampire who's klaus who's running and kind of um she's not teasing uh arlen very much but it has the same thing of this vampire is being uh, chased by a werewolf and then they turn around and uh, they think that, oh, we finally got the upper hand. But this situation is Arlen thinks she has the upper hand on Olivia. Right. And then Olivia the fucking yeah. whips her up. So I liked that little, you know, we had a little gem from Klaus. I liked that Klaus came back a little bit in this uh, in this moment. And um, Good old Klaus Falkenrath. Yeah. It's just, the, the, the true master behind it all, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but basically, Arlen's just going, just head first trying to stab and get into olivia's dress to find the moon silver key uh but she gets owned just it's just like but she's also human at this point like she's just a human right <laughs> trying to like and then find her pockets and olivia like so because remember that her house is subject to her will she it's not like it's only a dead end because she wants it to be a dead end mm -hmm. she wants it to arlen to think that she's cornered i didn't even think and about she that she suddenly switches Ooh, i like she that. suddenly switches it and then it's not a dead end at all and there's like all of her family paintings and she grabs a sword from a local a nearby like piece of armor and then she's kind of like toying with arlen right mm -hmm. she's like why are you fighting me in your human form you'll never win like this mm -hmm. basically and arlen's fighting with this inner desire to remain uh, in her human form but she knows that olivia's right that she will never win if she stays human exactly because vampires are just way stronger than humans so that leads us to our story spotlight number nine which is a reprint sure strike mm -hmm. why is sure strike a story spotlight <laughs> card i don't know uh it's supposed to depict arlen turning into her werewolf form and that is in the art but it's like okay it's also in the art that she's jumping through a window, um, once again. Yeah. And uh, this is Classic. the most this is the most egregious of them all, I think. 
just because the flavor text on SureStrike says... The flavor text isn't even close. Yeah, so it says, before the efficient even had a chance to ask if anyone objected to the Valderin-Markov union, Arlen had uh, made her opinion known, which is not what happened at all. That's not even close to what happened. Yeah, so, like, first of all, Soren did that, and second, what? Like... Yeah, sorry, I, I, I just was reading the flavor text for the first time as you were about to telling me what you were <laughs> yeah. about to complain about. I was like, it's got to be this flavor text, right? Because it's not even close. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, that uh, happens, and now um, she is in her wolf form, except for she gets quickly distracted by all the paintings of <laughs> it's, Olivia's family around her. <laughs> it's so dumb. So she, like you know, gives Olivia a big whack and Olivia, you know, goes flying. And then presumably to like show that she was right about her animalistic instincts, you know, not being a good idea. She just starts clawing at the portraits of Olivia's family, yeah. of the Voldaren family. Mm-hmm. And while she's doing that, <laughs> Olivia just walks up behind her and stabs her. Yeah. With her hand. With her hand. Yeah. She just holds her hand really firmly and just stabs through Arlen's back. Right through her. So, um, <laughs> and then Arlen falls to the ground, and that is the end of episode number four. Um, so before we keep going, we have another beer break to get to. Yeah, I just wanted to say that I thought it was really disappointing that they made all of this, like, much ado about, oh, you know, you should only change into your wolf if you really need it and whatever. And then it's like she changes into a wolf and gets instantly owned. Like, I get that you were trying to do the, you know, she lost the fight because of her animalistic instincts and she couldn't reason. She was just, like, clawing at random shit. But that, I thought that was really dumb. Yeah, it didn't make it. I didn't think it made any sense at all. Um, and there we will get to the rest of the wrap-up, which we have more thoughts about. So yeah, stay tuned yeah. for that after the beer break. <laughs> All right. Hey, Jeff. This bud's for you. (laughs) So we wanted to make sure we did Coors and Bud in the same episode because we did Bud Light versus Coors Light in the same episode as well. Yeah. So it's only fair that we give their progenitors the the same chance to go tete-a-tete here. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. So this is going to be our Bud because it came out three years after Coors. Or I guess was founded. Oh, it's downright recent. 1876. Yeah. It is also 5%. It is also a lager. It's also made in the USA, but it was originally from St. Louis, Missouri. That I didn't actually know. I wouldn't. I don't think I ever would have guessed St. Louis. Um, one thing, I don't know if this is even true, but one thing I heard is that uh, whoever started Budweiser, like stole that, like Budweiser was originally a Czech beer. Oh, if you want to buy that beer now in the United States, it's called Czech bar. Oh, original Budweiser. But when you're in Europe, that's actually called Budweiser. Like the the beer that we call Czech bar is actually just called Budweiser in Europe. Oh, and so allegedly the guy who started Budweiser just stole the recipe for Czech bar and took it to the States and started it there. And so when Czech Bar came over, he also just took their name, apparently. Didn't even, like, <laughs> didn't even hide that he's trying to steal their beer. Um, and so when they came over here, they had to use a different name. And so it's like Czech Bar 
here. But uh, I remember when I was living in Russia, I bought a Budweiser, and I was like, this doesn't look like Budweiser, though. Like, this is totally different. Huh, that's crazy. How? I, I had no idea. That's so weird. Now, granted, the person who told me this was one of my international, like, I, was, I lived in an international dorm in Russia, and they were from the Czech Republic. So uh, they might have, they a have some bit. biases. That's a little bit, but uh, that's really interesting. I like that story. Um, but another story that I like <laughs> is uh, episode five, which is Till Death Do Us Part. Perfect segue. Uh, the Gatewatch gang is fighting all these other vampires. Um, but not only are they fighting vampires, but the other vampires are fighting other vampires. Who knew? Yeah, that was probably my favorite part of this uh, story. <laughs> was that while this great battle is going on, the battle for the future of Innistrad, some vampires are just like, you know, <laughs> trying to take advantage of the situation to kill people that they have grudges with. <laughs> yeah, because there's like all these families that don't really like each other, as we know from Relio and the Domnathis. So yeah, everyone else also has a grudge. Um, we also saw a duel earlier, which we uh, forgot to mention, whereas like just two vampires were going at it and one of them died. And that's when Olivia's like, oh, hooray, there's blood at the wedding. I love blood. And it's just like... Right. Yeah. So I guess she, this she's is... She's like, I'm glad there's murders at my wedding. You know, I appreciate the blood sacrifice. Or whatever. Yeah, because it's like part of the festivities, I guess. So this is a normal thing. It feels very like gruel to me to be like... Oh, there's chaos. Let's start killing people. Actually, no, I guess maybe that's more Rakdos, but and anyway. Yeah. And then, so Chandra's like fighting and just burning people, incinerating vampires to a crisp. But then there's like a spear or an arrow or something. I think a spear got hurled at her. Uh -huh. So Adeline like rushes in and blocks it with her shield. So there's a lot of, like, Chandra fighting alongside Adeline that's happening at this point. Yeah, there's, like, a moment where Adeline's, like, shield is up. And I think to uh, Chandra, like, pulls her in closer by the hip or something. And it's, like, is this the moment they're going to kiss? Like, it really felt like it. Like, in the heat of the battle, they're going to, their emotions are going right. to boil over. It felt really intense. I was, like, is this the time? But in the end, you'll have to see what happens. But, um... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in any case, um, all those things keep happening. And as we remember, uh, they, they uh, Tovalar, for some reason, jumps through a window. Because <laughs> everyone's jumping right. through windows, I guess he might as well have done it too. And he's in like full wolf. Yeah, got to blast through a window. That's just the moral of the story. Exactly. That that's the best way to enter a wedding. So if, if you ever want to go to a wedding and you want your entrance to be memorable... Make sure you jump through the window. Did that happen in Wedding Crashers? Did they jump through a window ever? Because I want to know. Because I'm pretty sure to crash a wedding, you have to break glass. So Yeah, I feel like that's a 50-50. I, I would not be surprised whatever the answer to that question was. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to figure that out for next episode. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know and, if I want to watch Wedding Crashers. I don't that. know. Maybe I'll just look it up. Um, <laughs> weird movie <laughs> facts. Do they break a window in Wedding Crashers? Um, but anyway, so Tovalar busts through and he's in full wolf form and he looks at Chandra and like Kaya and they both just point to where Arlen went. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it was kind of like, hey, are you on our side this time? And he said, uh-huh. And they're like, all right, she's over there. And then okay. he... 
that way. Yeah, and then he runs over there, uh, which felt super weird as well. And quick reminder, Tovalar is like who t- the guy who turned Arlen into a wolf, but they have differing views on how the werewolf community should interact with the humans. He thinks they should kill all the humans, and she thinks that they can exist, uh, coexist peacefully. Yeah, and they also had a huge fucking fight where they both of them almost died. So, it's yeah, interesting. Exactly. It's just strange that he's here. Um, yes, and he, and I he showed up with a lot of other wolves, right? Like yeah, like the rest scared. of her pack, basically. And I'm sure uh, apparently some other ones. One called the Wedding Crasher, so obviously he had to come. They're like, well, we yeah, you yeah know, back then. He's called the Wedding Crasher, Everybody so knew we, the wedding crasher we, we should we should there. bring him. Um. <laughs> so now we have this scene where. Uh, vampires are fighting vampires, werewolves are fighting vampires, humans are fighting vampires, and spirits are fighting vampires. Um, Who's going to win? Uh, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> One thing I thought about this scene, though, is, like, the vampires were never, never doing well. Like, at every description, it's just like, oh, Chandra easily incinerated one, and then Adeline, like, easily blocked another spear. It's like, no one is having any trouble fighting any of these vampires yeah. in any of the scenes. So Teferi's, like, whooping their ass, and and the way they include Teferi in the plot of this fight is that someone else is fighting a vampire, and that vampire slows down for, like, a split second and allows, and allows them to easily win. It's just like, Right, I appreciate that. That's what Teferi's doing. It's just I, I'm just imagining him like standing at the back, like slow that guy down. Slow that guy down. Like, <laughs> it's just that like guy down. <laughs> it's it's just you know he could. I I don't know why they wanted to be so tame with the time magic instead of like and this person jumped in the air to stab somebody in the face and they slowed down in air while somebody else could get out of the way or something. It's like no, he just yeah. By a few frames, they just added a couple frames in his his like movement. Yeah, exactly. Just seems so <laughs> like couldn't it be cooler than this? Like, there's so many interesting things you could do, but instead, like I don't know, he does time stuff. All right, well, and they all like think Teferi had something to do with it because they were like, "Oh, I was out of position," but that blow didn't quite. Imagine, imagine <laughs> if Teferi can't do anything actually, and everyone just thinks he can like oh yeah just, he, he's just he's, like oh yeah i slowed that guy down enough yeah, for yeah. you to dodge oh that. no no i helped slow the sunset I, I that's what i was doing they're like oh well thank yeah, to- you for the totally extra slowed it the, down, the extra like 15 minutes of sunlight or whatever did you measure it and compare it against previous historical data of how long it takes <laughs> yeah, the yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what he's doing teferi he doesn't do anything <laughs> teferi gaslighter yeah yeah <laughs> Oh my god. God. He's really just an interior designer who like pretends to yeah. That's what they're telling me. Uh. Somehow everyone comes out of the war thinking that Teferi was the hero who saved it. He's just like at the back, has a has a glass of beer. Like no one has seen Zelfir in forever because he like, you know, phased it out. But he in actuality didn't. They just got obliterated. He's like, I don't know what happened to Zelfir. No, I got rid of it. I saved everyone. I just can't find oh, I them. Sa- I totally saved I just can't find them anymore. They're gone, but I can't find them. Um, that's what happened. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, well, then the Teferi cards are really, really poorly designed because it's really obvious when Teferi wins you a game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, so... 
Soren, our friend, is in a pit, uh, but it's filled with blood. And uh, he's basically deciding whether he wants to try to live or not. He's like, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm drowning right now, so I could just let that happen. Or I could try to get out. And another yeah. thing, Jeff, um, what, what, what else does blood do? It gets you drunk. It feeds you. <laughs> it lets you control angels. But what else? It also heals you, apparently. <laughs> so he just, like, in this pit of blood, and he opens his mouth, and the blood starts to flow in, and all of his cracked bones and his, like, you know, wounded, all of the wounds he was given by Edgar just start to heal, and he feels invigorated. Yeah. They just, like, it sews up all his wounds, and he... I'm just imagining him in a giant thing of, like, watching it happen. It's just him, like... Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, like, like, have you ever seen? Um, have you ever seen the movie Beer Fest? Yeah, <laughs> and the one guy's like in the big vat of beer, mm-hmm. and he just starts opening his mouth and like tries to drink his way out of the vat of beer. That's what I was imagining. That's that's exactly what happened. I'm sure it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, so he fixes himself somehow gets out of the pit i don't know if there's a ladder or he can like fly or something it but... said something about climbing and he was like climbing with more and more strength but i was like how is he climbing is is there a ladder in this blood pit or... yeah there's something else that happens that's kind of weird like that too later on that i want to know about um but anyway so he decides he's just going to march back into the battle and find uh edgar because of course why you're that's who he was fighting before so it makes sense that he would try to do that but I also have another issue with this, okay? So we've talked about, like, the, the multiple different things that blood can do, and it seems to only do one of those things, depending on the, what the storyteller needs it to do at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but if blood is something that just heals vampires and makes them stronger, why would Edgar kick him into a big pit of blood? It's like giving your opponent life, right? Like, you don't, yeah. why would you do that? I was imagining that Edgar didn't know it was at the bottom because the bottom is so deep. That it was just like, uh-huh. yeah, I'll kick you into this hole that's over here. And then he just walked away. <laughs> in the blood room. It, I don't yeah. know what could possibly be in there. But... Okay. Oh, it was an empty hole. But then uh, they broke all the, the barrels so that it filled up with blood. That must have been what happened. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Norm, I've been to this house before. And this hole was just a big hole. There wasn't anything in it before. So I thought that he would just be stuck down there. Um, I thought it was maybe going to be revealed that it was something where, like, he didn't really want to hurt Soren. You know, he just wanted him to learn or something. But that never really came to fruition. No, Edgar's just kind of a little bitch. He just keeps running away all the time, which is basically what happens at this moment where Soren comes up to him and he's like, hey, you're still here? Like, (laughs) Yeah. You expect you kicked me into life fluid that yeah. makes me stronger. And now I'm Superman. Um, and it, it seems very obvious very quickly that Soren is going to win the fight against Edgar. And he has like his sword against his throat. or And he's just like, because he pulled the sword off the wall or whatever. Um, yeah, he found a sword. So Soren, I guess, is really good with a sword. Uh, yeah. And he's never really been able to use one so far in the story. He it, like stole random weapons as he found them no he he, he made a really good or whatever he did a really good uh, blood sword earlier that was good right yeah yeah he did use may have his blood sword yeah which is so much cooler than this sword he should just use his blood but sword i guess he lost time. he lost that in the battle with edgar somehow probably because he's in a room of blood so it like 
dropped yeah. it or something. And yeah. It, he dropped it into the pit. There we go. There we okay, go. Okay, now, now we're figuring it out. Uh, <laughs> the blood sword went into the pit. He could just make another blood sword. <laughs> no, there, there was, All the blood. He makes a blood cannon no, out of the pit of blood. He had to use the lead pipe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, he's standing there, and then they just decide. Soren's like, you know what? I'm not going to kill you, Edgar. Because you didn't kill me, so I'll let you go. And he does. And then the gate watch is like, you did the right thing. That was, yep. No, you shouldn't kill people. Yeah. It's like, you guys are fucking incinerating vampires everywhere. Why wouldn't you give a shit yeah, about this but guy? not that <laughs> not, vampire. No. And good job, Soren, for because not they, killing your They need your to grandfather. make more Edgar Markov cards. So. Mm-hmm. Edgar Markov needs to survive so that commander players have something to play. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> It's so like I why love that too though. It's like Chandra's turning it like you did the right thing as her other hand is like, like <laughs> literally turning a vampire to ash. It's <laughs> like why do you have this weird Batman complex? Like you don't. Like no one does. You you've killed so many people. Arlen snapped that zombie's neck. Like you just, no. Like none of you care about any of this. Why does this matter anyway? <laughs> like... <laughs> I did like how they described the fight though, where it's just like. I don't know if Edgar also had a sword or what weapon he was wielding, but like every move was too fast for a human to actually track. Mm-hmm. So you just have this like blur of shit and then sword wins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's like a big blur going on in the middle and then Edgar falls down and sword. That's and probably what it was. Wins. Afterwards, the gatewatch were just looking at each other like, no, good job, Soren. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to criticize anything you do. Yeah, because I, uh... that was really fast. I have no idea what just happened, but uh, good on you. Good job. Um, but then, uh, anyway, we get to flash over to Arlen, who's wounded on the ground, and Olivia ran away, apparently, without making yeah, sure so... Arlen was dead. <laughs> No, she just like stabbed her with her hand mm-hmm. and then like floated on off for some reason. I guess to go drink blood, uh, the the angel blood. I guess that's what she wanted, you know, she wanted to do that. So she wasn't worried about Arlen now. So she's like, I'm just going to go drink the blood and then I'll, my whole thing will work. And um, so Tovalar comes and finds her and uh, he brings the whole pack, which is our story spotlight card number 10. And the festivities, one of the most unplayable cards in uh, draft. Yeah, this is the worst card. <laughs> yeah. It's also unplayable and constructed. But yeah, so what happens next? What's going on? So this is her pack from the previous story. So again, you need to know the previous story, but these are the wolf pack that she had originally, and then they, uh, they are legitimate wolves. They're not uh, werewolves. Yeah. But they end up siding with Tovalar because he's more in tune with his beast side than than Arlen is. She's more in tune with her human side. Um, <clears throat> basically, they pick, like, they save Arlen somehow. I, I don't know. She just gets better in their they, presence. They lick her wounds or so, I don't know. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um, they inspire her or whatever. Uh, and then... Arlen's still not too happy with Tovalar because, you know, he came in and killed a shit ton of humans in, in the last story. Uh, and they fought to the nearly to the death. But they're like, hey, I need your help. So they, help? she gets up and they all run after Olivia. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> I, don't, I don't exactly know. I don't know. Uh, wolf 
This part of the story felt really, really. This is where everything breaks apart. This is where the deadline came up, and they were just like, and then this happened. (laughs) Just, just you got to wrap it all up. Yeah, wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up. Uh, So anyway, Olivia and Edgar find each other because they both didn't die, and uh, Edgar tries to like touch Olivia and say something to her, and then she says he like puts his hand on his shoulder and is like, "It's over." Yeah, and then she is. To, to be fair, this makes sense, but she's like, you touch me only when I allow you to touch me, which is fair. That's just a regular human thing. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, she obviously doesn't care that much about Edgar at all. Um, but, yeah, exactly. It, it's it's true that that, that that is true. Like, you shouldn't touch yeah, people yeah, yeah. without their permission. But also, it's a weird thing to say when somebody just puts their hand on your shoulder to, like, try to console you or whatever. it's it's weird when your fiance slash husband puts their hand on your shoulder to right to say hello. yeah because it's just impractical um, to ask if i can touch you every single time that i oh for sure you know if your partners yeah but obviously she does not consider him her partner so um mm-hmm. anyway olivia just she's like oh if you guys care so much about the moon silver key whatever just fucking have it and she just drops it. Yeah, she's just like, oh, wow, you guys, she looks, sees the wolves. Oh, you guys are still after that key? Whatever, fuck it. And just throws the key. Yeah. And then they <laughs> walk away. Flies away. And then everyone's like, okay, cool. We got the key now. Let's go over to the Celestis. Yeah. Olivia like, and Edgar, like, fly, obviously, out the window. Yeah. And Tovalar a, a different tries, window tries that hasn't to catch been broken them. yet. He, like, <laughs> yeah. he, like, runs up the wall and tries, he does some parkour to try to, like, fucking grab them and just gets the edge of her dress or whatever and, and it just bleeds him or whatever falls back down yeah um uh, yeah so anyway they did it i guess hooray they got uh, the key that's that's <laughs> and it that's the end of this big glorious battle that's, yeah that is the climax <laughs> is is that Olivia's just like oh you want the key fuck it you should have just asked for it I, I didn't realize you wanted the key yeah oh, oh, oh sure it's here like, here oh go. if you want this whatever i'll and then easily just flies away. Why wouldn't she just fly out the window with the key then? Yeah. Like, <laughs> if it's so easy for her to escape. I, yeah. It, I don't know about this part. So this is all kind of... <laughs> that was so disappointing. And we never really learned Edgar's motivations beyond, like, he was also interested in the power couple. Yeah. No, I think that that's something that he just was interested in. And he just, like, doesn't share the same values as Soren. But... Yeah, but his card... It says, uh, the flavor text, our kind has taken my gift for granted. It's time to correct that folly. When the fuck does he do that? (laughs) (laughs) That made it seem like he thought Olivia was trying to take advantage of him, but forgot how powerful he was. And so he's going to like, you know, he's going to fuck her up. That's not what happened. No, that's not what happened at all. Maybe he, maybe he's just legitimately in love. Maybe he just loves her. He's just an old... He's just trying to have a legitimate wedding. He's an old dude who's trying to get with a younger broad. That's what's happening. And he is changing yeah. <laughs> uh, his opinions about stuff so he can make her happy, I guess. You know, she's she's only like a few hundred years old, you know. That's, yeah. uh, that's quite a catch in the vampire community. Exactly. So, <laughs> so um, in any case, uh, there's a piece where... Okay, now they have the Moonsilver Key and Catilda's still with them and they have to go... Uh, and it says how they're like walking tirelessly to get to the Celestis so they can finish this ritual, but actually they're in a carriage somehow. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're like just right. It talks about them all like just lying on a bench basically. Yeah. And everyone is asleep except for Arlen and Catilda. 
uh, and Tovalar left. Oh, but... oh, it is important though that Soren had stuff to do. Oh, right. So he left. He he's not with them. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> of course. But anyway, so and that's literally the explanation. He had stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, oh, whatever. <laughs> he's kind of grumpy and he has stuff to do. So let's just leave him be. Um, but Katilda and Arlen are just talking about Tovalar, and Arlen is trying to explain how, oh, Tovalar is still good. He's okay. Like. We should keep him around because he's helpful. And Katilda's like, no, he fucking sucks. He's never going to change. He is going to be the downfall of you. And if you continue to try to pull him into stuff, he's <laughs> going to ruin everything. Well, can you imagine if, if you were hosting some sort of party and then someone comes in and murders half the people at your party. And then later your friend was like, I don't think he's that bad, though. Yeah. You're like, Excuse me? He, <laughs> the fuck? Is he the literally bust in and killed everyone. Yeah. <laughs> he's the reason why we couldn't finish the thing. And this he's the reason why there's Eternal Night. Olivia just was there also. So, no, he fucking yeah. sucks. He will never change. And Arlen's like, well, he's he's kind of okay sometimes. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, that was strange. But... Uh, in the end, let's yeah, just, and, and so they tried to like yeah. explain it away as like um, Arlen wanted him to be there to see that he could fight alongside humans or something. Yeah, right? I don't know. Like, I don't know exactly what the logic was, but it was like, hey, if the humans are fighting the vampires, he comes in, he helps fight the vampires. He'll see that the humans didn't like turn on him and start killing him because they were allies, and so it's supposed to show him that. They could be allies or whatever. Or something. I, yeah. And she apparently, like, called Tovalar. Like, at one point, Tovalar says, you called us. Yeah. To the... And it was like, yeah, when she was hurting, she was, like, calling to him. I don't know. In any, in any case, we should wrap it up because the rest of this is just all just... Well, there's whatever. a sex scene, so we gotta... It's not really a sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> if it was, I mean, like, it, it's not. Um... They reach the Celestis, and uh, Catilda has the moon silver key, and she puts it in the sun gold lock for story spotlight number <laughs> yeah, she 11. Does. There we That's the sexy. Oh, okay, right. The, oh, perfect. Yeah. So we have a <laughs> glorious key in the sun gold lock. We get a glorious sunrise after the moon silver key penetrates the sun gold lock. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, everything's good now. All the people are happy. People are drinking wine. Life is good. People are like, they have beers. There's this, like, the festivities are back on. Everyone's happy. And it's time to say our goodbyes to our Gatewatch gang. Yeah, it is worth calling out the you know, glorious sunrise, the card, our story spotlight number. Yes. Just making 11. that clear. Number 11. Yes. Um, but yeah, now now people just say goodbye to each other. Yeah. And um, uh, Arlen really wants to say goodbye to Chandra, but she can't because Chandra and Adeline are embracing in the willow tree. Um, which is what is what so i was imagining this was just like the really cute before the the bus is coming at summer camp and you finally have the courage to kiss your crush right before you leave that's what this felt like to me mm -hmm. not so much hot and heavy but just like really cute and sweet um but sure it could yeah, also... i don't know what you're talking about I, I never had that courage so and uh basically katilda's like you know what i have I'm not going to need this moon server key for a while, so I'm going to give it to someone who does need it. And Teferi's like, you know what? I need the moon silver key to study 
After four. all, I did save everything and win every fight for us. So I'm I a pretty I big it. deal. I, uh, you know, I, I slowed some people down, you know. Uh, not, to, not saying anything, but, you know. Uh. Do you think you were able to dodge that because of your reflexes? Come on. No. Don't, no. don't, don't make me laugh. Yeah. And Teferi mentions to Arlen, and that basically everyone's staying on Innistrad saying, hey, Watch out, because if you see any black oil around or, you know, Phyrexians, you might want to yeah. look out for them. And it's just like... If you just hear anyone going, must be complete, yeah. you know, like, please let me know. And, and so, first of all, does Arlen know what a Phyrexian is? Why does he just say, look no. out for me? Like, <laughs> like, come on, how... Hey, please let me know if you see any Phyrexians, Arlen. Like... <laughs> It's just ridiculous. Like, oh, okay, slap me over the he face. He does reveal that that was, like, part of his motivation for coming to Innistrad in the first place. Because remember, his motivation was pretty weak uh, yeah. when he, they originally convinced him to come. Uh, is that he was concerned about the Phyrexian threat and wanted to see if they were on uh, Innistrad. Innistrad so, is, is what I got from so what he was he's saying. But. Working with the Moon Silver Key to see what properties it has to do whatever. Spoiler alert, how much do you want to bet that Phyrexians come to Innistrad or they use the moon slash Emrakul to <laughs> obliterate the Phyrexians or whatever? Um, that seems to be a possibility. But uh, anyway, we're probably going to see new Phyrexia or Phyrexia in um, 2023. So get ready for that one. I mean, I'm wondering if Phyrexians are going to take over Innistrad and the only way to fight them will, for some reason, to be let Emrakul loose. No, 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 yeah, exactly. I like Phyrexians a lot. I don't like Eldrazi, <laughs> so I know which side I'm on. <laughs> Phyrexia. Phyrexia. <laughs> um, and basically... But I also am a, a bit nervous about <clears throat> artifact sets, so... <laughs> That's true. Uh, for, for other reasons, not for, like, lore reasons, but... For, no, no, just for gameplay reasons. Yeah, yeah they're always fucking broken. <laughs> There's no way you can't they can't be broken but in any case this is the end of our story arlen gets her pack back everything is good innistrad has sun we're happy and this is kind of emulated in the story spotlight card number 12 which is really just the backside of katilda but it's katilda's rising dawn um right which is one of my worth a slot cards so i just want hey. to uh you know I weaved some of the, so the weird thing I, those I have about this card, though, is that it to me, the art in this card, it looks like Katilda is human it, and not a spirit. Yeah, yeah, it does. I also noticed that. <laughs> um, so it's like, did she come back to life by turning on the, <laughs> the day cycle? Because the story still has her as a spirit the last time you hear from her. Basically. Yeah, no, no, it's just uh, it looks it just looks like it. So, um, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> uh but in conclusion overall eh. <laughs> i there are some pieces where would you put this story if you had to rate this story on a scale of bronze to mythic of mm. of the stories we've dealt with so far um yeah okay so it's a relative scale a relative scale um, to what we've seen not what we would hope right relative to magic writing not relative to all all of fantasy writing um yeah not like mythic is not catcher know. in the rye <laughs> mythic is like <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh gold maybe 
Okay. I'm debating between gold and silver, personally. Yeah. Um, I can see that. Uh, I, I, I liked this one a lot more than the last one. I was really disappointed mm-hmm. with most of the last story. So this one felt like a, a bit much better because there were pieces that I actually liked. And the last one, I had a harder time grappling with some stuff. The last one was more dynamic in the sense that, like, this one was all at Voldaren Estate. Which was the last one, like, they ran around to, to different locations. Yeah, which I didn't like. It depends what you're looking for. Yeah. I liked that they were all at the same place in this one. And I liked that we got some really nice, deep character changes in Soren, kind of. Not really changes, but, like, this interesting backstory that I hadn't thought about. And seeing him in a different light was nice where the last one just I think just the last one really kind of fell flat for me where it's like the ending is so (laughs) it is disappointing I guess like the the ending was just so Olivia's just like ah whatever have it and flies away yeah (laughs) what is that I was expecting the ending to be disappointing because the only ending that was really exciting was when Will gets his leg cut off sorry as I spoil all the fucking (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go back and listen to go, that one too. Go, I don't. Yeah. I don't have the episode number on the top of my head. Um, but at least there was a climax there. This had no climax. <laughs> it did. It was just a really disappointing climax. It was like yeah. a. <laughs> to me, wah, wah. most of the story was up until Soren. Soren's arc was the only thing that mattered. Everything else was like. Yeah, that was the the strength of the story. I think yeah. so. You could. I'd be happy with the climaxes being like the Edgar Soren fight. As soon as like Soren, yeah, the, that, and then Soren comes out and like bests Edgar and lets him go. That's basically the end for me. Like the wedding. Right. Because the wedding, for the most part, seemed to be just a way to show that Olivia is complaining about her wedding. <laughs> right. Yeah. Also, was yeah, wasn't that relevant? So, um, there's some interesting vampire bits and some blood stuff. I wish I understood Edgar's motivations a bit more because they made that seem like it was going to be a thing and then it just wasn't. He was just down to, to get married for the same reason she was, I guess, to like be powerful. But yeah, which... Um, I wish there was some a little more to that. <laughs> yeah, which to me is fine <laughs> just because... It doesn't seem like the type of guy that would be down to be a number two where like this arrangement clearly was like olivia's number one in owning the vampires oh he's number two and yeah he's just okay with that i'm like, wondering that a bit odd. I, no i'm wondering how awake he really is you know what i mean like mm-hmm. how long does it take you to really yeah there's, there's no like clear answer on that was he actually under her spell of some sort or was he just legitimately thinking it's okay for him to be number two i don't even think it's that i think it's literally he wakes up and like thinks he's still number one from being number one forever and then he doesn't spend very much time Mm -hmm. with olivia and then he just kind of leaves like maybe now he knows but but like he literally wakes up at the the party (laughs) and like yeah but then the weird thing is like when the wolves you know arlen and tovlar and whatnot burst in on him and olivia before she gives up the key for no reason oh right he's like you like overhear him saying i thought you had everything figured out so oh. they communicated at some point. So she must have come and talked to him? That's weird. I didn't remember that part, yeah. but in any case. That, that really struck me as odd, where I was just like, I don't understand what this guy's motivation is. Yeah. Uh, um, 
it's uh, it's all a bit murky, um, but we're <laughs> used to that here. Um, in any yeah. case, I'm happy that I read it and got to kind of explain everything oh, to you fun, yeah. so that uh, you didn't have to read it because uh, that's always fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you do feel like you want to read a bit of it, please just go read the Soren and Edgar fight because it's really, that's the best part. Uh, writing. Well, a Chandra Adeline sex part is, is obviously, you know. <laughs> the highlight but. yeah sorry the the one sentence that is there in the willow tree <laughs> or oh no sorry the Hen, the hendrika gristlebrand there we go that's, that's the, the best, best sex one, scene yeah. um yeah. where they rub their <laughs> nothings against each other um but uh anyway that is what we thought about the crimson vow vorthos <laughs> yeah, yeah story arc there we go <laughs> story arc but let us go to last call so we can drink the last beer of the night and finally rate these things and get this show on the road last call coming up so jeff we have done a, a french beer we did two american beers what's the last beer for the night well obviously we gotta go the all-time classic that everyone's familiar with, Molson Canadian here. Yeah, that's right. I'm now reading this can. And this can is saying that Molson mm-hmm. was founded in 1786. Oh, well, then we needed to do this one second. Yeah, I have not, I did not find that in my research. Um, I found that it was, <laughs> the beer Molson Canadian was first made in 1959. Um so this is some new information to me as I look at the actual can. I wonder if they were making a different beer and then that was the original um, beer they were making and then this one came later and grew in popularity. Yeah, maybe they just mean like Molson itself started. So I think that's probably right. Molson itself was founded in 1786, but Molson Canadian, the beer, was 1959. Yeah. So, because they have other stuff like Molson Dry, Stock Ale, um, other totally. stuff that I'm forgetting because it's all more or less the same. So, basically, um, this is if you're not familiar, if you're not in Canada, this is <laughs> kind of the Budweiser of Canada or the Coors Budweiser. Well, you know, one of those, yeah. So, um, I, well, I mean, Molson actually owns Coors or the other way around, they merged with Coors, so it's Molson Coors, now. yeah. In 2005. Coors and Molson have merged as far as like uh, owners go. Obviously, they're still making things kind of separately-ish, but uh, I think that might have been when Coors had brought up their banquet or their original and Molson the right. same um, to the States, so that kind of makes sense. Um, also, Coors and Molson, I believe that some of their major plants are in the Rocky Mountains um, in respective uh, Alberta and Colorado, so um, that would right. also make sense why they would uh, partner with each other because, you know, Coors' big thing is it's Rocky Mountain water, so Molson has access to Rocky Mountain water. Mm-hmm. But in any case, this is a lager. It's also 5%. So everything we've had tonight is 5%. It's kind of nice to just keep it all the same. Yeah, the Silver Series is always 5%. It feels like... All right, Jeff. It is time to rate these silver beers. Okay. And... Uh, we're putting them into very specific tiers, which is silver one through silver four, one being the best, four being the worst, and then vice versa. You get points for each 
tier that you're in. So silver one beers get four points and silver four beers get one point just to make it oh, super that, confusing. That's confusing. Yeah. 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 We just thought that'd be uh, more fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we wanted the tiers to match arena. So silver one is mm-hmm. the best and silver mm-hmm. four is the worst. The point system we made up ourselves to make it more confusing. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we could do it like golf where, you know, least points wins and then that's silver true. one gets one point and silver two gets two points and whatnot except for we didn't so yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go jeff are you ready we're gonna go from um least favorite to most favorite do you have yours ready do you have some ready i can tell you what my silver four is okay my silver four beer is this one molson canadian yeah I'm going to be in the same place. I think my silver four is Molson Canadian. Um, I took one sip of this. I was like, I don't remember this beer tasting this weird. Like it has some sort of weird flavor to it. It it does have something strange going on and I don't know what it is, Um, but I don't love it. Um, Sorry to all those uh, Molson Canadian fans. Um, It's not the beer for me, but I'm also from the States, so don't get mad at me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've had a ton of these too, so I don't know whether that... (laughs) whether that factors positively or negatively, but you know, every Canada day, you just get a case of this shit. Yeah. Um, so I think that this one is, I didn't hate it. There, there are some silver fours where I tasted them like, Oh, okay. I got to get through this. This one. I did. Was yeah, it? I did, what, one in particular kind of comes to mind. Yeah. That, but <laughs> but um, you'll have to go back to try to figure out which one that is. But this one <laughs> didn't feel as horrible as some of the other ones, but it definitely felt very clear that it was silver four of these. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. I took like one sip and I was like, yep, that's where I'm placing this one. Yeah. But I, Jeff, I'm so sad. <sighs> I think my silver three is going to be Coors. I was in 100% agreement. If I was going to pick the next one, I was going to pick Coors yeah. as well. Um, um, it, Colorado not showing, like our two uh, homes here, right? Like yeah. Canadian and, uh, and, and the one from Colorado. We're not, we're not loving them. So Coors, I think, and I noticed this in Coors Light, too. I think it's just really sweet. And I noticed mm-hmm. it immediately that it tasted really sweet. And It does have some, like, unfermented sugars in it that some of the other ones don't have. Yeah, and, and, and I think if you're drinking a lot of just that, you won't notice it. But when you drink other ones, you definitely notice that it's... Yeah, different. and I've found that with the Silver Series in general, right? I always was like, oh, they're all the same, whatever, whatever. But after mm-hmm. drinking them next to each other, you're like, actually, they all taste... I didn't know that I disliked this one and like this one, you know? Yeah, they do taste very different from each other. So, um, <clears throat> Jeff, do you want to give us our Silver 2 or your Silver 2? Yeah, this one was the toughest for me. Mm-hmm. I had my top two like locked in, and then three and four also were not that close. Uh, this one I felt was a bit closer. Um, I think I'm going to award silver to, I think I'm going to give it to Cronenberg. Wow. Okay. I think that's where we're at. Um, dang. Wouldn't have picked myself as a Budweiser guy, but apparently I am because I think that's just the one that I enjoyed the most tonight. Interesting. I'm really close with you actually. Um, I think I'm... I'm st- I still think I might be flipped, but I can see that. Yeah, I'm gonna give Budweiser to to Silver, uh, too. Sorry, um, I think it's just because the Cronenberg 
at first I was like the 1664 I was like all right this is this is fine then I had the Coors I was like whoa this is so sweet and then I had the Budweiser and I was like this is a breath of fresh air from the Coors but I yeah I still think I liked the other one the the Cronenberg 1664 better I think I'd be interested in trying the Cronenberg and the Budweiser actually back to back and not having the Coors like buffer yeah I think that would have been helpful as well um so we might have to do that I mean these are, yeah. th- we gave them, uh, they have the same points now because. Um, yeah, this is a tie now. <laughs> this, is, this is a tie with the seven points each. So that will, they'll make it to a bracket. So um, whenever we get to our, um, what is it? March Madness. Maybe we do it in March. Um, <laughs> we'll, hey, there's yeah, an idea. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll figure out which ones are our favorite, but uh, yeah. Yeah. And like I said, that was super close for me. I could have gone the other way too. Mm-hmm. Um it's honestly just hard to compare beers that you had uh, with another one in the middle. Yeah. But those were definitely my two favorites of the night for sure. And I think I just, maybe it is because, you know, it was the breath of fresh air after the Coors that mm-hmm. I enjoyed the Budweiser the most. But Which again is the weird thing because I always thought I liked Coors more than Budweiser. And just because maybe totally, the, yeah. the But can... when you have them back to back, you're like, wait a minute. And you're actually like trying to be conscious about it because you have to choose one at the end. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference too. Yeah. Um, but I have, I do know that uh, just, you know, Budweiser is the king of beer. So I'm not. Uh... I think I can like weirdly taste that it's a rice beer, you know, which feels yeah. weird. Like it's a weird thing to say, but it, it has a different quality to it than some of the It does. Beer. It does. So in any case. Those are our rankings for those silver beers. Please tell us if you uh, think we're absolutely wrong and one of these is your favorite beers ever or your (laughs) favorite silver beer. Um, Hopefully we're not alienating all the Molson Canadian fans out there, you know. Sorry. (laughs) Hey, it's still silver, right? It's not not bronze. It's just just not my favorite. Yeah. Um, But with that, we are going to closing time. Um, You can always reach us. <laughs> you just love to throw that in whenever I'm not ready for it, don't you? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you're ready uh, for it, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can always reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram and tell us what your favorite silver beer is and what your favorite part of the story was. Yeah. And you can also find us on MTG Arena. Our username is Arena Regulars Podcast. Uh, may or may not see us in the draft open. Um, you can find me personally at Zulberg, that is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? You can find me at Blues Brews MTG on Twitter, B-L-U-E-S-B-R-E-W-S-M-T-G. And please leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you can write a comment. We would love that. Follow us on Spotify and Stitcher. Go to our YouTube channel. We have just uploaded our first YouTube video. Woohoo! Uh, we are doing draft videos, so go check it out. Jeff, do you have some words about Showcasing it? Showcasing our Im- impeccable draft skills, I would say. I, um, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, just go there. Um, just comment something. You know, we don't care if you subscribe or anything like that. Just... Um, Leave us a little comment about what you thought about it, and that we'd love to talk to you. So Yeah, and please hammer home that we should be playing 40 cards, not 41, because I'm trying to get Zach on that train, and it's, it's not going well. 41, all day. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that if you're ever in a bind, just use blood. It does 
whatever you need it to do. Good night. All right, that's fine.